Welcome to the DTPHD podcast. I'm David Tian, your host. And today we're going to be just discussing how can you know whether your confidence in your meditation, whether uh, your meditation is effective. And to answer that question, we've got our co-host, Stefan Rivali, joining us. Hey, Stefan. What's up? How's it going? Good to be here again. Yeah, great to connect again. And we've got some exciting changes coming up in tension, or developments, I should say. And this uh, episode is to draw attention uh, a bit to that. So we'll start off with the question, how do you know whether your meditation is, being, uh, is effective or not? And I'll throw that to you, Stefan. Yeah, so that's, I think, one of the biggest obstacles to meditation practice is just confidence that we're doing it right at all. Um, a lot of people worry that there's a certain technique to nail and there's a certain experience they're supposed to have. So actually, if you want to be confident that you're meditating effectively, be confident that you're meditating effectively. And that's like already right there, um, you know, most of the battle. So I think to really um, like illustrate what confident meditation looks like, I'm going to highlight a couple of mistakes uh, that people make meditating. And the first thing is their own relationship to their mind when they're meditating. Like they think that their mind's supposed to behave and stop all of those annoying thoughts and just, you know, be like the meditator mind that they might have gathered from all of these cliche understandings of being Zen or peaceful or whatnot. And that there's no thoughts and there's no, uh, none of the usual business, right? And I've talked about this a lot before, but I just wanna emphasize one point. When you are meditating, the point of it is not to become peaceful. The point of it is to become more at home with yourself. Because when you're meditating, you're in the most familiar place in the universe to you, your own mind, your own body, your own vessel. And let's start to make this like a home that you feel comfortable and safe in. And you're not gonna feel that way if you're rejecting experiences that come up. And you're not gonna feel that way if you're not being hospitable to all of your thoughts and feelings that are swirling around. This is part of you. You can uh, make peace and befriend these, these things. And really, and it doesn't mean like you've gotta like figure it all out and like understand it all and what it all means. Just be with it um, in a way that's calm and open and welcoming, really. And that's huge, it's huge. I mean, I, I come from hospitality. Um, actually, you know, David and I met when I was still um, a leader in hospitality. And I, I think about hospitality when I think about meditation. And hospitality is actually a big part of um, Indian spirituality and yoga. Um, they consider um, like the hospitable mindset towards yourself and others to be like a big part of like sacred practice. And that's, I think, like a huge, a huge step when you go from just like pushing against and rejecting and saying, why, why, why is this happening? Why is my mind so fucked up? And then moving into just welcoming it in all of its filthy glory, basically. Uh, when uh, we start to see the benefits we want, we'll see that whole list. And you just keep going. Like you just keep mention a thing. Meditation's going to work on it in some way because it's transforming your physiology. It's like if you go from never sleeping to like now suddenly you're getting eight hours of sleep a night, every aspect of your mind and body is going to, is going to change. Every aspect of your life is going to change because you're transforming your, your human capacity from being like just, you know, rattled on edge, depleted into being healthy and vital, right? So it's all going to improve. But we'll go through the list of symptoms 
that we don't like the things we don't like and we'll pick out the stuff that we like think is really important to us and it's good to know that it's good to know what we value right and there's work i encourage people to do on this that i will be actually in an upcoming course um but then we kind of only like we only look for relief from those symptoms and either we get frustrated if it's not happening fast enough like why is my this not happening faster and it is not improving better or it'll it'll improve enough for us to be like oh i did it <laughs> there we go like oh I'm, i need to sleep better so then you start sleeping better and then you're like oh great okay so i fixed it like it's like as though we're like a like a car like a vehicle like oh my carburetor's busted i think i'll start meditating oh my carburetor's fixed I guess I'm done. I, I can just keep driving it into the ground and never go back to the mechanic again, right? So the same thing will happen with, with sleep. Inevitably, I'm sure your sleep will start to falter again because it's not just a matter of fixing your sleep and then walking away. There's deeper um, mind-body balance issues that need to be worked on and constantly maintained and constantly like nourished by meditation. So um, when we just have this like these few things that we want and then we get them and then we think we're done or we just say, you know, we get impatient because it's not all happening fast enough. That's one, you know, problem. It's, it's like, it's like active ingredient thinking or like diet culture thinking, right? Which I mean, you in fitness, um, I've experienced this a lot. People are like, I want to lose X amount of pounds and they do and then they're done and then they give up and then they gain it all back and then more. So um, yeah, that's one big important point. Yeah. That's an important point overall for, any kind of change, that the 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 goal is not to get that result, because if you if that becomes your goal, and once you get that result, you probably won't even get the result. But let's say you get that result, then you're going to want to go back to your baseline, and then you lose the results, or even worse, you might experience this dip effect instead, <clears throat> where you get worse than when when you started. So it's it's really about your lifestyle habits. Like, how are you going to change your life? in such a way that achieving that goal would become a natural automatic process or part of that process. So when it comes to fitness, if you wanna lose a lot of fat, you're going to need to change your eating habits and your relationship with food. So it'll mean that you'll probably need to do a kind of makeover on the contents of your fridge and the places you shop for food or the restaurants you go to and your ordering habits and the quantity that you're used to and all that so that it becomes um, if you get that down, then it be, then the result comes along the way naturally. So a kind of process orientation for any major goal is probably the, the best thing you can do to ensure that you actually get the goal rather than just focusing on the goal, which I think is how most people in uh, the modern West, especially focus on goals. I think in terms of like just the goal itself. And if I can just put that goal on my front uh, bedroom door or whatever, like somewhere, someplace I can see it every day and just visualize it like the secret. It'll just magically appear <clears throat> instead of thinking in terms of how do I get there? So that's, a, if that's the goal, what are the things that I'll need to do to get there and then lose yourself in the process of getting there so that you'll get there no matter what, because you're doing the things that will get you there, but you're actually focused on the things that will get you there. And then it becomes something that you're, in order to sustain that interest, in the process, you'll need to enjoy the process enough that the process itself is the reward. And then that's the main goal. And then the, your old goal is just a side effect or byproduct of pursuing the process. Yeah. So meditation is a great analogy or metaphor for the whole thing because uh, the point of meditation isn't, well, it could be the point, the goal, the thing that got you started on meditation might be those benefits down the road of more calm or peace or something. But in order to get that, 
you're going to need to lose yourself in the process of actually meditating. And then you'll discover that if, if you become successful at losing yourself in the process of meditating, you'll, or immersing yourself in it, you'll discover that that itself is, is a reward, that that is the intrinsic, uh, that there's intrinsic value and enjoyment and pleasure in the process itself. And then the goal becomes secondary. Then you'll forget about, oh yeah, I was doing this, I started doing this to get calm or whatever. Uh, but I, now I feel that as just a matter of course, because you're, you've incorporated this new lifestyle habit. Absolutely, absolutely. And anyone that wants to meditate and feel more calm, that's another thing I wanted to point out, actually. There's one, there's one side effect that people look for in meditation that I think they should never settle on, and that's trying to be more calm. And, um, and a lot of people say that, because that's, that's the word that they grab. Um, but like being more calm, all that means is it's an absence of agitation, right? It's like an absence of displeasure. And that's maybe a good start. And that's maybe, you know, if you're suffering tremendously and you're always anxious, then calm is, is good. But, but that's just, you know, it's better. Like calm is better than anxiety. But that's just a, that has to evolve. And I think calm's a really good example of um, a goal that needs to be available to evolving. And I think that was one of the benefits or one of the things that kept me going with meditation, um, like kind of relentlessly, was the fact that I wasn't fully decided on like what I wanted out of it. It was just kind of like, I had decided that it was my companion um, as I learned and figured out really truly what I wanted. And I knew that calm wasn't the beginning because I'd experience it. And um, I knew there was much more to life than just simply like being like, okay, I think everything's okay right now and I'm not freaking out, okay. <laughs> but like, then from there, like how do I build a life that really you know, is fulfilling and inspiring and the life that I want? who am I like really like what's my fullest potential like what's my like highest level of uh, of human power to operate from and that's that's a place that meditation can fund and that's a place to which there is no destination so there's no reason to ever drop a practice like meditation that's going to be your companion because that road is is completely process oriented there's never like, I've reached my full human potential, I'm done, I shall dissolve now. Like, take me, I shall ascend, like whatever, right? It's, you, it's always, you're always evolving and always uh, growing. So um, if, if, you're, if your goal is calm, great, because that's actually most people's goal is just simply like more excitement. And in fact, calm is, is a good idea to go the other way for a bit because we're, we're too much in one direction of constantly exerting, constantly going and putting ourselves out there and seeing how much we can get out of a day of activity, how much we can plug into a screen, um, go the other way. That's a really good start. And that will then feed your activity though. We always have to think of like, okay, then what's next? How am I actually going into activity? How am I actually showing up to these moments of, of challenge? And that's where um, mindful living comes in and actually uh, rigorously um, applying what you're, I guess, cultivating in meditation with the, the sort of um, the ground you're laying and then implementing every time life tries to make you go off track from the person you want to be. And that's, um, that's another layer uh, that we can maybe talk about later, but there has to be like a willingness to always take what you can do with meditation and your own mind as it's evolving farther than you had originally expected. Because like, Goals are just meant to, to get you to a different state of realization in which you'll realize you have a whole new set of goals that will serve you better. And so meditation's your goal, your, your buddy along that 
realization journey. Yeah, so is there, so I was hoping we could get into how this makes a difference in your day-to-day -day life. So we know about these benefits of uh, maybe emotional regulation and uh, being able to access a kind of peaceful, calm state, or even a more excited or joyful state, <clears throat> or, or just overall more emotional self-awareness. And then, so how are some of the ways that are most commonly uh, seen in day-to-day uh, -day life that meditation or mindfulness uh, play a role? Ah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So uh, what people start to notice uh, when they meditate is that um, they'll certainly like feel like better straight out of meditation and they'll feel more energized throughout the day and they'll feel um, that kind of calm energy. That's kind of like the, the general, like the nectar we're all looking for, the currency of like a healthy human experience. Like we're elevated and we're calm at the same time. And because we don't want to be like placid and I mean, you could be calm and you could also be like in a stupor and like, you know, not not at all able to experience life. You could be calm and depleted. You want to be calm and vital. Right. So there's that calm, vital feeling. Uh, and then that has a particular quality when we have experiences and we notice it shifting the more that we meditate. And the first thing is a sense of like spaciousness and a sense of having more time available to us to make a decision and to, to see how we can act in a situation. Because when we're not, I guess you can say, working on our nervous systems like this and getting rid of all of these memories of life sucking, that's basically what our bodies do. It's like a life sucking memory bank, right? It's like, this moment was really overwhelming and it was crappy and I hated it. And your body goes, okay, let's remember that because you were clenched up and you were tight and there might've been a tiger, so let's remember it. And then um, we take that experience into any time we're reminded that life might suck. And then we clench up and we have that experience. And we respond in a way when we're in that clenched up state, not spaciously, not with, not as though there's plenty of time to respond. It's just like unconscious default mode jumps in. And then afterwards we're like, oh, like uh, that wasn't what I wanted to do. That wasn't how I wanted to show up. So the more we meditate, the more we notice like, oh, wait a second, I have a choice here. And I, I can come from a place of greater wisdom. I can come from a place of greater clarity. And I can also come from a place of greater strength. A lot of people think, oh, I'll meditate and I'll become like this like super like passive huggy guy, you know? And, um, and I hesitated because I'm, I'm not cutting my hair in quarantine. Um, so I'm like, oh no, I have a man bun now. Everyone's going to think I'm like one of those LA hippies. We're going to lose 38% of our market. Like, cause they were like, oh, I thought I'd be learning meditation from someone who's not one of those like lovey hippies. I'm not, I just haven't cut my hair. So, um, expressly like, don't try and be that because that's actually, um, unless that's like naturally your, your state. Um, that's not something to try and be. Um, what you need to try and be is your, um, strongest self and that's a self that isn't afraid to um, do what's right and that's what meditation also gives you the space to do because a lot of the times um, when we when we react to a situation the way that we don't want to it's usually not the fight response that we truly regret it's it's the it's the flight response or, or it's the freeze response where we just wither when we knew that we could have um, really shown up uh, as um, a stronger person so um, a stronger and let's let's be um, clear here, like a wise strong, not just like combative, like the, you know, like the warrior sage, but like with compassion and understanding, the kind of person that people will listen to rather than just fight because they're like, wow, this guy really cares and he's fierce. 
So um, that's that's an arc. That's an energy I noticed, like coming up in myself, and um, and it's it's scientifically um, measurable, so to speak, when we um, notice that the the brain's actually capable of processing more information because it's less busy processing the tension in the body. So when the brain can process more, it feels like time is like longer. And um, when people are able to live more and more mindfully, they notice that they remember more and like life kind of seems longer because there's just more coming in that's making a difference rather than them just kind of like unconsciously zombie walking through life. And they're like, where did the last year or two go? You know? So, um, so that's kind of, that's one of many experiential, experiential aspects of meditation that, that came to me. I've experienced similar effects. So one of the things that will make a big difference is the style of meditation that you practice, uh, for me anyway, and for, for those that I've recommended it to. When I started with a kind of uh, mantra meditation straight out of uh, learning with Stefan, that was incredibly useful for me at that time because I was getting lost in my thoughts and feelings. In fact, I was very identified with my thoughts and feelings. <clears throat> and there was a, a period when I was, re, uh, I was recovering from a very bad breakup and it had upended a lot of my worldview and my self-identity, how I saw myself in relation to value and uh, how I valued aspects of myself. <clears throat> and that led into me becoming just in a kind of despair. So okay, this mantra meditation allowed me to float up above that, to detach from that, to realize I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my feelings. I'm not, in fact, any one version of myself, and that would be the only thing. Um, I'm able to separate from whatever part of me is feeling this way. Of course, this parts language I only discovered later, but that was what was happening, giving you this, this ability to be more objective or have a, to step out of whatever overwhelming emotion you might be feeling. So in therapy or in therapeutic um, styles, it's really important to be able to help a client not be overwhelmed by their emotions. That's one of the first things that you learn because most people who are going to a therapist or are looking for um, emotional uh, support are overwhelmed by their emotions. So one of the best styles of meditation for them is to be able to not be overwhelmed by those emotions, get that detachment or that separation so they're not fully identified with them. But then after a while, I needed to be able to access my emotions more quickly. So to get the most out of a therapy session, <clears throat> let's say it's only an hour, <clears throat> if you just talk a lot, which is bad therapy, generally speaking, all the talking is not really therapy, it's just discussing stuff, <clears throat> that's not doing any emotional work. And I discovered to get the most out of my session, I needed to feel quicker. I needed to get into my feelings in 10 minutes rather than 50 minutes. And th those are cues that were coming from a really, really great therapist that I was working with at the time. And I, he's like, are you meditating? I'm like, yeah, I've been meditating for a couple of years. He's like, oh, uh, but are you meditating in this way where you were getting you into your body, into your feelings? And <clears throat> then I started to practice a more mindfulness style of meditation where I start off with a body scan or I'm just, I don't even need to do it systematically <clears throat> from the whole body, but just being more in tune with the actual senses. So even just as I'm breathing, feeling uh, my nose hair is moving, uh, I was living in very hot places, so the air conditioning was always on. So just feeling the moisture on my skin contrasted with the cold air coming from the air conditioning or the sun hitting my skin and, and all that. And just being more in my body helped me to stay with my emotions because I was underwhelmed. Right? So then we have where you're detached from your emotions. And the average dude walking around is pretty detached from his emotions. I know this because I specialize in working with dudes. And most dudes are just uh, at 
keep their emotions at arm's length and maybe don't even know where they are when they want to go and feel. <clears throat> so lots of different styles of, of uh, meditation help you in your day-to-day -day life to access your self-awareness, your emotions, uh, to prevent overwhelm, or the opposite of being able to go deeper into your emotions to do more emotional work, which is incredibly important in relationships. And one of the reasons why guys fail in the relationships so often, or they end up hitting that, um, that wall after the honeymoon period, is because they go into a rational, logical state when they're arguing with the girlfriend or wife. <clears throat> and now the girlfriend and wife, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is coming at them with all these emotions, and he go retreats into his logical mind, and then she feels like he, she doesn't under, he's not listening to her. She doesn't feel understood. <clears throat> and one of the first techniques I teach in our, our relationships courses is being present. And if you, if you can't <clears throat> be present with your own body and your own emotions, you're not going to be able to be present with any other human being because that's a second step. <laughs> so being able to stay in your body, feeling with whatever you're feeling and being okay with that, no matter how overwhelming it is. And then even more to enjoy it. <clears throat> even enjoying sadness, even enjoying what you previously interpreted as despair is now another color of the rainbow of life <clears throat> and enjoying that for the period in which it stays with you, <clears throat> like a wave that when the surfer surfing a wave, then you'll be able to stay with whatever emotion she's feeling. <clears throat> and then you'll be able to be fully present. And it takes courage. <clears throat> it takes that ability to stay with whatever's happening. And in the past couple of years, I've been really into metta meditation, which is a, a kind of loving kindness meditation. And what that helps me do is it primes me to wish myself uh, well-being and happiness and all that good stuff. And then to wish that on others and just remind me that there are other people I love and sending that in the kind of maybe it's a spiritual way to them in my mind. And that just, if I start that, start with that every day, I'm being reminded of all the people, like at least one person that I really love and I'm grateful for, and I get to help in some mystical way by just imagining sending love to them. And that just feels awesome because you're already accessing your contribution uh, and your love and connection right off the bat, right in your mind. And then that also primes you to be more loving and caring and compassionate to others throughout the day because you're already starting your day off on this positive footing just reminding yourself, priming yourself <clears throat> to be loving, or what I call now turning towards goodness. <clears throat> that turning towards is an action, and it assumes that you could turn away from goodness. So you're at this crossroads of, I could, really, I could just <clears throat> get cut off in traffic, and I could just yell at this guy or tailgate him or something, or I could turn towards goodness. <laughs> and the <laughs> first thing I did this morning was turn towards goodness to myself and to those I love or to others and someone who's neutral to you or if you have a, if you have the time to do a more extended one you can send love towards those that you have some kind of beef with or <clears throat> some history with and just that practice over the time over time weeks months makes you into a more patient person and helps you to enjoy life more and all of these I think will help you to be more present either uh, present with your body or the emotions you're feeling or even just present with the fact that you need to separate from those overwhelming emotions for a little while, <clears throat> no matter what, it will cause this self-awareness. So as you walk through the day, you won't be reacting all the time, which is how most people live, but instead you'll be able to choose your responses. And uh, you also, like Stefan was saying, you'll have a kind of time distortion or time dilation effect where there's more time that you feel like there's more time between the stimuli, stimulus and your choice that you're able to step back from it, not be overwhelmed by it, and then to choose wisely. 
So it's, yeah, I mean, I also use that example of the colors of the rainbow. And that's something I've heard a lot in my clients who've gone deeper into, into turning inwards of uh, going inside their minds, so to speak, with meditation and therapy. And suddenly now they see life that was, they were living it through black and white lenses. And now they see all these colors. Um, so it's a great, great way to put it. I think that's such an important feature and that has a lot to do with actually harnessing the benefits of meditation where you can notice more points in your life. Not when you just like felt better and felt more comfortable because um, a lot of people think that that's a, the necessary outcome of meditation. Like it's just something that's going to make us feel better, but actually it gives us the capacity to feel um, really intensely and really uncomfortable in a way that says like, yes to it like, yes. And actually, this is where there's a lot of power and there's a lot of possibility. If I can meet this head on and not cower away from it, like my first impulse to do was, was before. Because when we're just filled with you know, stress and anxiety and all of the imprints of life, we don't have that same uh, nerve and boldness to go head on into greater discomfort. We're drowning in discomfort all day. But actually, um, when we're a lot more fluid and open and stronger mentally and phys physiologically from the powerful rest uh, factors of meditation, then we're willing to feel that discomfort and really willing to meet a challenge head on. Because the only thing keeping us from a challenge is discomfort. So have a look at your life. Like, what are you meeting more readily? And when you can like read these benefits and journal and like keep track of these benefits, you can then say, well, maybe meditation has been a really reliable companion. And um, another thing you mentioned too about, um, you know, feeling um, who we are, like what are, like, you know, who are we really, right? And that's often the journey people go on um, if they're going to go on like a deep self-discovery journey. And that's something people consider meditation a valuable uh, companion for as well, a tool for. But what does that like look like when we actually learn who we are? Well, we're learning whoever we are isn't in our head. It's not in whatever story the mind's telling about us. And you're, David, telling a story about um, reuniting with an, with an identity that is um, deeper and more embodied and something that is a lot more reliable than simply shifting mental stories or the shifting stories of what other people are reflect, reflecting to us. Who we are is found in our experiential, sensory, visceral quality of our experience. And it's a place of tremendous enjoyment and satisfaction and um, fascination when we can begin to experience the world uh, on a sensory level without um, the mind talking us out of our experiences. So when you notice more of that, uh, that's um, also a good sign of progress. And um, when you're able to drop into it more readily and say, no, not right now, to whatever thoughts are pulling you into a very unpresent experience of whatever past or future it's repeating to you because it usually just is on repeat and you're able to just have like a raw experience of right here right now fearlessly holding whatever even uncomfortable emotions you're having um that's not only a, a richer experience of life that in itself is transformative that in itself is growing and enriching you the more you're getting in the habit of doing that yeah so you wanted to mention what is the self-made mind why don't you just introduce people to that yeah, that's a cool, that's a, that's a program that's coming. It's a, it's a community uh, that I'm starting uh, with tension. Um, leading up to it, though, there's going to be a, a three-day course on um, just how to optimize meditation and mindfulness in your life. We're going to talk about some of these things we talked about here, plus going deeper into uh, best practices for um, really getting the most out of your practice, 
really being able to apply it to your life and how to make your application of mindfulness to your life one that is one that is, one that is empowered one that is actually um the life that's truly mobilizing you because mindfulness is often just an awareness practice but like what are you doing with that awareness what are you building with that awareness well that's what we're going to talk about and then self-made mind um is uh, the community that uh, will be uh, where we continue to apply these to taking your your life with meditation and mindfulness to the most fulfilled and the most self-celebrating and the most absolutely crushing it at life that you can possibly get it. And I, I developed as many um, exercises as I could think of to um, get us on that path. And we're going to do it uh, live on Zoom once a week and really get deep into um, these practices and working with community i think is huge like i mean when you're alone and practicing um you might be doing it absolutely correctly but there's always the doubt and there's always the like should i be experiencing this and do am i doing it right well being there uh with me and everyone else that's moving forward with these practices really provides incredible uh, motivation to uh to keep keep at it and keep uh, upgrading your life with these practices Cool. And how do they, is this a re, the three day course? Is that, that's free. That's and cool. is that going to be live in a recording? So if they watch this, if you're watching this yeah. now in October, will they be able to access that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, it'll be, oh, um, cool. it'll be live and then it'll be recorded and they can just, you can grab the recording anytime. When you're live, you can actually poke me and prod me and get me to, you know, make mistakes and uh, ask mm. me whatever questions you want. Um, but otherwise there's going to be a recording and you'll have access to that content, uh, evergreen when you, uh, when you get on the, uh, the enrollment list. So, uh, that's just a, yeah, it's a three day absolute cool. essentials. I mean, it's all you'd really need, but, um, but then you can go really, really deep with the self-made mind, uh, program and continue to be on that path. Great. So, uh, you're doing this is the first time you're, you're offering this and depending on how it goes, you might continue to offer it, but it will only be open for this time. Is or is that not decided yet? Yeah. Well, I'm doing I'm doing this one three day thing and see how it goes. I don't know if we'll do another yeah. one. Uh, so if you're watching this now in September, get on it because you only have this opportunity. And depending on how this goes, he might offer it again. Maybe. Yeah. Then enrollment will only be open for the end of the month too, because it'll be only um, a select period that, uh, that okay. take on a, a group. So cool. uh, we're going to keep it. So, yeah. So we'll drop the link in the description to this video and podcast. So go click on that link. I won't read it out. It'll just be in the description underneath this, uh, wherever you're watching or listening to this. Uh, thanks so much, Stefan. That was awesome. I learned a lot myself. And uh, is there anything else that we want to leave them with before we conclude? Yeah, you know, um, I would say as a takeaway, just start to pay attention. I mean, not in the way your parents tell you, like, oh, pay attention. Just start to notice with curiosity and openness what's happening in your life. Uh, now that you're practicing meditation of some sort and just notice where your standards are going up and maybe if you've plateaued really start to celebrate that and say wow my standards have really gone up so much that um, I'm now hungry for like the same speed of improvement so uh, begin to look at that and and begin to really appreciate how far uh, you've already come and from there you can build uh, the life you really want Beautiful. All right. Great place to stop. Thanks so much, Stefan, for sharing all that with us. And uh, we'll uh, see, hopefully see some of you guys in Self-Made Mind. 
And uh, otherwise, we'll see you on another DTPHD podcast. And check out Tension Mindfulness as well, tensionmindfulness.com. We've got a, a free mantra meditation course up on that. So you just enter your email and get in on that free course as well. Uh, thanks again. Thanks so much, Stefan. And uh, thanks for those who are watching and listening. Thank you.